Well, as we begin uh, the year, we are doing what we do every year now. That's every year we've been going. This is our third, third January, I think it is, or is it our fourth January. It's our fourth. It's a fourth. We turn four in March, so this must be our third January. Whatever. It's our third January. It's our third January. We're going to have our our, our fourth March. But so anyway, <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's right. So here we go. So as we do every year, which actually we didn't do in our first year. So the last couple of years, <laughs> for the second time, we're going to talk about our church vision. We actually talked about this, uh, uh, whatever. But what I'm keen for us to do is to, uh, to go through just kind of what we believe really God has called us to. In 2019, I, I remember I went over to Australia, which sounds like a big super pastor thing to do uh, to help coach some uh, church planters through a movement that helped us plant this church. And I was in uh, the, uh, an Airbnb and um, I just, yeah, just really felt the Lord speaking to me so clearly around where we were to go as a church. Um, but because, you know, I'm, I'm very, I struggle with that whole like the man of God has come down from the mountain and heard where, this is where we're going. I was like, you know, that's not kind of our style. But so I initiated a whole bunch of conversations, and for a number of months in 2019, I just sat down with just about everyone at our church and was like, I think this is what we're called to, to focus on as a community. What do you, can you join me in discerning this? Because the danger with someone like me is I'm a visionary, so I get really excited about ideas and I'm like, what we're going to do? It'll be amazing. And then like, you know, if it's not the Lord, then it could get really tough real quick where it's like oh man I'm tired let's not you know but the Lord's in it there's a grace on it and there's this lovely and as we've kind of um, tracked now for a couple of years man more than ever I'm so passionate and and convinced to my core this is what Bay Vineyard's meant to focus its energies on because we can focus our energies on lots of things and the thing that's helpful about vision is it just really helps us go no that's where our energy is going to go as as a priority and so uh, next slide thanks uh, Joel uh, these are the kind of three things that we're uh, com- committed to putting the, the majority of our energy into. Uh, and these slides go through at the beginning of every Sunday, but we are passionate about renewal. So this idea that God's making all things new in Jesus. Uh, and, and it's His presence. Like wherever His presence is, that's where the kingdom of God is breaking in. So we're just hungry for His presence. We long for more of that. Secondly, we're passionate about discipleship. We like, man, the church, we're going to talk about this in a second, but the church has, has hit some struggled times, I think, at the moment, because we haven't been clear about what it means to be radically devoted to the way of Jesus. And so there's been a lot of consumption of church, but there hasn't been a lot of devotion to the radical way of Jesus that's very, very countercultural. And so we're about formation. And the third thing is, is wholeness or mission. We want to see broken people walk into wholeness. We want to go into the world and share the good news of Jesus and bring us hope and bring us healing and bring us presence uh, wherever God has called us to, to be. So those are the three big focuses for us. I want to unpack them afresh uh, this, uh, this morning as we begin a new year. And next week, we're going to go into a little bit more detail about what that looks like. So the first thing is, is this whole thing of renewal and the presence of God. And, uh, and so the way that we're kind of outworking that, here's the thing, on the vision stuff, like we've got a, some real crystal clear clarity around what it is. But how we do it, I'm like, I don't care. 
Like, let's just, this is why I'm, I'm putting you this before you today, not to be like, here's what you're doing. And I want to engage your imaginations and I want to call you as a pastor to say, what does it look like for us to do this more and more effectively as the years go past? Because beautifully, uh, we began this uh, in 2020 as a church. This is what we're going to orientate the life of our church around in 2020. Very 2020 vision. I mean, what a dream as a pastor to have, you know, that sort of thing line up. And then, and I was all excited, you know, 2020 so naive around what was coming. I thought, oh, we're going to tick along. And then boom, you know, COVID, political, you know, and it's like, oh, okay, but nothing's changed. It's like, no. And in fact, with all the distraction out there, like even more than ever, I know this is the stuff. But how do we do it? Well, I'm open for us to, to tweak and change this. But at the moment, this is what it looks like. So when it comes to renewal, um, uh, we, are, we are praying. Uh, that's the number one thing we're doing. It's like, I can't make renewal happen. <laughs> And you can't just do it by gritting your teeth or being a good Christian or something. It's like, no, we pray. Lord, this is sovereign. We want you, we want your presence in this region. We want your presence in what I know. We want, we want like you knowing in the darkest places of our lives and of this region. Like that's what we long for. We want your kingdom to break in. And, and this is where um, I read this quote by Elizabeth Elliot as I was preparing. Prayer lays hold of God's plan and becomes the link between his will and its accomplishment on earth. Amazing things happen. And we're given the privilege of being the channels of the Holy Spirit's prayer. So like we pray. And one of the primary things we're praying for is that people would have a revelation of who God is, of who he really is. Uh, you know, when you think of your kids or your workmates or your friends, like that's the thing we want. Why? Because that's the thing that we got at some point. Like what was the thing that led you to, to follow Jesus? It wasn't some convincing apologetic. It wasn't, you know, necessarily a great teaching, though, that can help to bring revelation. It, like, it's, you know, I was, in a, I was at a camp. I grew up as a pastor's kid. And it, I'm telling you, it wasn't, there's was something that happened in worship where it was like all of a sudden, I had this revelation. Oh, God, you know, you're real. Now, we were singing this old song, um, Let Our Praise Be As Incense, Lovely Chorus, Holy, Holy, Holy is the Lord. Now, I'd heard that being warbled out in my little Anglican church Sunday after Sunday. Wasn't that like that? But something happened in that moment for that little 13-year-old where they were singing this song that was very familiar to me. It was like, revelation of who God is. Oh, like all of a sudden my eyes could see God for who He is and it was overwhelming for a little 13-year-old. I long for that for my kids. That's why we do, you know, that's why Charlotte does what Charlotte does and that's why we want our kids to go to Easter camps and any camp that they can go to because I'm like, I want that moment so desperately for my kids but I want that moment so desperately for the folks in what I know we're going through hell right now. I want that moment for you afresh this morning no matter what you're going through. It's like, oh, that's who you are. I can rest. I can relax. That's who you are. Oh. Uh, Ephesians, I, I read it out this morning. I didn't. I forgot that it was in my notes. Uh, I, did, I thought it was the Holy Spirit. Turns out I'd already been thinking about it. That Paul's prayer, his prayer for this church in Ephesians, is that they would have the spirit of wisdom and revelation. That they would, their eyes of their heart may be enlightened. Man, you know, I've said this many times. The thing that rips my undies more than anything else as a pastor is what people think Jesus or God is like and what it means to be part of a church in our wider culture. 
Nothing bugs me more. The media, the way that the caricatures that get made and, and silly pastors that reinforce it, as far as I'm concerned, this is another whole hot button subject. But anyway, and it's like there's all this caricature stuff around who God is and what it means. to. And I'm like, I, we need more than ever a spirit of wisdom and revelation. Whoa, that's what you're like, God. This is who you are. It's so beautiful. I uh, read an amazing book over summer. Two books that blew my mind. One called uh, Next Slide, Cast, um, uh, Cast Joel. That's super insulting to, to call Cast Joel. Um, next one, sorry. Um, when Everything's on Fire by a guy called Brian Zahn. Now, Brian Zahn's got some stuff that, that um, I'm not sure about, but this was, a, this was a brilliant book. And he says this, Jesus Christ is the revelation of God, but this cannot be known independent of God's action upon us. God must take the initiative in revelation, and this is the work of the Holy Spirit. The revelation of Jesus Christ is the only possible foundation for Christian faith. Paul is very explicit in stating that his vast knowledge of the Scriptures and his formal training and scriptural interpretation was not how he came to know Jesus as the Christ. Rather, he says it occurred when God was pleased to reveal His Son to me, Galatians 1, 15-16. We looked at all of this when we went through Galatians last year. It's revelation. It's revelation. Uh, and and uh, Matthew 16, 15-18 uh, Jesus asked Simon Peter, who do you say that I am? Big question. Good question for us to wrestle with. Who do you say that Jesus is? Peter, Simon Peter, Peter answered him, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood have not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I say that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. What's the church built on? What's the rock? It's the revelation that Jesus is the Son of God. That's what, this, what the church, that's the, the rock that the church is built on. And I've been looking forward to preaching this this morning. As you can see, I'm already like, it's like we're barely five minutes in and Harvey's all fired up already. He's clearly had a good summer spiritually. Yes, I have. Hallelujah. I'm ready to go. And, but here's what I do know. And I've been praying for you guys because there's been a minor anxiety because I know that when we stop meeting as a church because we're very passionate about rest, because we believe that Jesus is very passionate about rest and blah, 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 blah. There's a danger that we can just start to lose sight. Our sight can get dim. We can forget very quickly like the Israelites did about who God is. And that's why my prayer this, as we've begun our vision series is that there would be a spirit of revelation here this morning. Oh, that's right. Oh, that's right. That's who you are. Oh, wow. You're, you're worthy of worship. You're worthy of my allegiance. You're worthy of my devotion. And uh, there is so much going on in our world right now. And, uh, and the second book I read uh, that was absolutely amazing um, is this book by John Mark Comer called Live No Lies. If I had a gun to my head and which one should you, have, you, know, should you read between uh, Everything's on Fire and Live No Lies, it would probably be this one. So I've just made it compulsory reading. So now it's like that everyone has to read this, please, if you belong to Bay Vineyard. And that may be an off-ramp for some of you. That's fine. You can, if this reading's a struggle, audio book, please. This is the best book I've read in many, many years that... Uh, help us see what's happening culturally. It's brilliant, absolutely brilliant. 
Um, and so, you know, I'm, I'm into, as you know, reading and, and, and scholarly stuff. And, and absolutely right now in our time and culture, we need thoughtful Christians steeped in grounded orthodox theology, discerning with wisdom how we navigate this time in faithful fidelity to Jesus. We need that. But more than anything, what we need as a church is a revelation of who God is. That's the number one. Lord, we need your presence and greater power and measure and, and more tangible than we've had for many years. We need to feel you, Lord. We need to know, we need to see you with the eyes of our heart. And we need your glory to be manifest in this place so that it would spill over and that we would see our region and our, and our nation and the nation and the Western culture that is so dry and thirsty for something like this to actually come home to the arms of the Heavenly Father. We need this revelation. So again, how are we doing this as a church? There's two ways that we're mainly focused on doing this. Number one is we pray. Next slide. So we pray. Uh, So every Sunday night, this will be starting as the school term starts. We pray and we gather, Lord, and we're just praying, Lord, spirit of wisdom and revelation over this place. Lord, like, Honestly, guys, I've been a pastor. This is my 19th year of full-time ministry. And I've read all the stuff and all the rest of it. If there was some little technique that I knew how to make the presence of God come powerfully into a church, trust me, I would have read about it and I'd be doing my best to apply it. There's no special techniques. The one thing we do is we get on our knees. That's it. We get on our knees in humility and a very arrogant and proud culture. We humbly get on our knees before the Lord God Almighty and say, we need you. We need you. We need you in Marainui. We need you in our church services. We need you in our home churches. We need you in our lives. We need your presence, Lord. This is a tough time for for church and what's happening in culture. And so I don't know any, like the Lord's literally humbled me and stripped me from all the other clever things I thought we could do. It's like, no, it's on our knees. It's on our knees. And so I'm calling you, church. I don't don't think this is going to change when it comes to how we do it. I don't think this is one thing. I just don't, because as I look at church history and any move of God, it begins in these sorts of places. And we've been consistent in this for years now. And that makes me so, so grateful as a pastor for the saints that turn up on Sunday night saying, Lord, we need you. We need your presence. We need your presence. And so that's the the first thing we do is we commit to seeing renewal in the bay. The second thing we do uh, is this. How do you play your part? Is that to say, Lord, begin with me. We want to see renewal in the bay. You know where it starts? With you. It starts with you. I love Mark Sayers' definition of revival. This healed me from a lot of trauma about that word from some, some excess in, my, in the 90s, right? I was like, I became pretty cynical about that whole thing, right? But here's, here's I love this definition. Revival is when personal renewal goes viral. I love that. Revival is when personal renewal starts going viral, you know, like that when you're so filled with God's presence and you're so overwhelmed with His goodness, not just on Sunday or a Sunday night, but on Wednesday, midweek, that barren day between drinks of Sunday services or whatever. It's like even on Wednesday, because of your devotional practices, because of the amount of work you've done, working through your brokenness of your history, because of the way that you've, you've just let God into every component of the way that your life is so orientated around Him. Resurrection life isn't, an, isn't a, a, a theory. It's an experienced reality for you because you're so faithful to the way of Jesus. And as that starts permeating through all of your life, that you cannot help but be a living gospel 
because you're filled with the good news of what Jesus does in your life. Oh, I'm, again, I'm proud of our church and, and, and what God has been doing in people because there's deep roots going down for folks in the midst of all the challenges. And there are people who have that little fire in their eyes because of who God is in their life. And they can't help but talk about Him. And I love hanging out with people like that. It's like, you know, you catch up with friends over summer and stuff, and it's like the conversation starts pivoting back to the goodness of God. And I could have Ryan, my good friend, my first appointment of the year, wise move, Harvey. And it's just like, and we just keep going there. And we just go like, isn't God good? Isn't it amazing what He's done to us? Isn't it incredible? It's like, this stuff works, we were saying to each other. Like, you follow the way of Jesus. What it does is incredible. And I just, it's like, oh, yes, sign me up, Lord that we'd have more of that in our lives so that we're so in love with Him that that renewal starts happening in the bay not because of some, I don't know, I don't know what we're expecting as a church. Like we're late, we Revival in my mind was God does all the work so that we don't have to do it. Well, it turns out revival is when God's done, so, I mean, I've done so much work with God. I've been so transformed from glory to glory that actually I, I just begin to smell like Jesus a bit. And that renew that starts going viral because it's like people at your workplace start noticing over the the years you're there that the the same stresses don't seem to affect you like everyone else, or that your language is a bit different, or that you seem to have consistent joy or peace or love. I'm not sure what it is. That makes sense. Oh Lord, help me! I'm going on so many tangents. Point one, all right, point two, let's keep moving because this is just the first of a couple of vision things. I have to keep reminding ourselves, you don't have to do it in one sermon, Harvey. You're all good, bro. You've got all year. Let's go. All right, our second major focus is discipleship, is discipleship. Uh, and, and you've heard me bang on about this a lot. But, but again, it's, <laughs> believing in Jesus is great. Good start. And, you know, you join the demons in their belief in Jesus too. So well done, you know. That's what Jesus said. It's like, oh, even the demons believe. It's like, Somehow, again, I keep, I've got to keep hitting this. Following Jesus isn't I say a prayer so I get to go to heaven when I die. Fo- like following Jesus is following Jesus, where your life becomes orientated around Him as your rabbi. You're like a disciple to Him. It's like your life is like orientated. Again, in Live No Lies, this is what um, uh, John Mark says about spiritual formation. So let's talk about that. If you're new to that language, all I mean by spiritual formation is the process by which we are formed in our spirits or inner persons into the image of Jesus, or conversely, deformed into the image of the devil. Spiritual formation isn't just a follower of Jesus thing. It's a human thing. We are all being formed every minute of every day. We're all becoming someone, intentional or unintentional, conscious or subconscious, deliberate or haphazard. We are all in in a process of becoming a person. The question isn't, are you becoming somebody? But who are you, you becoming? The question for us followers of Jesus is, how do we become more like Jesus and not like the devil? How clear is that? Right? And so this is where, uh, for us, uh, we've been very, very focused on what does it look like to have spiritual practices in our life, habits, routines, a rule of life, things we're intentional about that align our desire to be like Jesus with practices that would help us get there. And we've defined a disciple by stealing stuff from a bunch of other smart guys, of course, uh, as a person that's learning to be with Jesus, become like Jesus, and do what Jesus did. So those are the three things. That, I've never heard a better definition of a disciple than that. 
And so how do we do that? Well, we put practices in place that help me be with Jesus, become like Jesus, or do what Jesus did if He was you, which I love. And so one of the things that we've been banging on just a little bit is the whole thing of a devotional life. Like, you know, we live in an age of incredible distraction. We've got these devices, we've got all this sort of stuff going on. And so uh, anyone 45 and under is going to struggle to have a devotional life because A, we've been lacking a discipleship culture that's helped people grow it. Uh, and B, we live in a world of incredible distraction. With, we, we live in an, the attention economy where your attention is the thing that people are just doing everything they can to try and get. I sit on the toilet and I'm on my phone. Hands up. <laughs> Three people actually. Uh... Now back in the day, right, it was like count the tiles or whatever. And it was like, you know, <laughs> you remember those things? It was like, you know, or you'd have dirty magazines there where you stop and thought about it. It's like, how many, how many bits of fecal matter on this? Who knows? Give it, you know, it's like we had surfing magazines in our toilet back in the day. But anyway, sorry, again, tangent, tangent. Oh, no, surfing magazines. Surfing, that got dirty. Oh, right, Jen, did I say dirty magazines? Oh, no. We didn't, we had surfing magazines that got dirty. Ooh. Oh, I was on a rant as well. Anyway. At least it's just your phone getting your own stuff. Anyway, um, be with Jesus. So, and uh, so be with Jesus, become like Jesus, do what Jesus did. And, it, and I've, I've, I'm so, again, convinced about this because of my own personal experience around how this is the way to grow. I reckon when I, when I was growing up, the idea was that if we have enough information, it would bring transformation. And so we listened to sermons, and back in my day we started with tapes, and then we, uh, you know, and I went to Bible college and studied theology three years. I can tell you that was helpful, but it didn't change me. You know what's changed my life? And I'm not saying, hear me very loud and clear. Information is the thing that brings revelation. As we open up the Word, and as we read good Christian books, and get, it can bring revelation, but often again, the weakness in the, in the Western church is we thought resonance equals obedience. Oh, yeah, I've got to sort that out. Oh, yeah, that's so true. The church needs to lift this game there. Jesus was very explicit and clear at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. It's those that hear these words of mine and do them are the people that build their house on the rock. It was application. It's the application. So what does it look like for me to be with Jesus? And here's my challenge, friends, as we begin this year, is like the danger is that we can just, the years tick along and we don't grow too much. One of the things that thrills me more than anything is that in the last couple of years, a bunch of people, particularly under 45s, have grown radically in their consistency of their devotional life. They've fought for it. And it's like, man, it's starting to be a real fruit, real fruit. Insane. It's so encouraging. So I'm like, what does it look like for me to be intentional about the fact I want to be with Jesus or I want to become like him? Like that's meant for me uh, going to the count, going to do a lot of counseling over the years because hurt people will hurt people. And so I'm like, I want to work through the grief or the trauma or my father wound or whatever it may be so that I can become more like Jesus. So I can have the mind of Christ. I want, to, I want my mind to be seeped in 1 Corinthians 13. What does it look like to live a life of love? I want that memorised. 
so that I'm just, that's the thing I'm like, I'm, I, wanna, I'm, I wanna be transformed from glory to glory. I want Galatians 5 fruit in my life. I want that sort of stuff in, in my thinking so that when I look at my reaction to someone who's tailgated me, I'm like, oh, I'm beginning to reflect the fruit of the Spirit. Talk about pressure cooker situation. You're like, phew, long way to go yet, you know? Those moments of pressure come and it's like I respond in a godly way. Well, I've got to keep choosing. I've got to, I've got to have this in my mind to do what Jesus did, that I'm learning to grow in the things of the prophetic. I'm sharpening up my evangelism skills or my hospitality skills. Or I'm going to the poor and I'm bringing hope or and I'm doing the discipleship stuff. All of those things like that. It's, it's applying the stuff to your life that's going to bring transformation. It's interesting. Um, do you want to go back, Joel? To, I was reading this the other day. I worked through the Bible in a year. And, and I was just thinking about the church at the moment in the Western world and, and think about this. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. There's the seed along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. I've seen this as a pastor so many times. It breaks my heart when I think back to it. People that I've seen encounter God, like revelation, whoa, receive it with joy. Yeah, yeah, I'm a Jesus follower. And then it's like, what happens? They have no root. They don't get the habits in place and they fall away. And when trouble or persecution becomes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed among thorns refers to someone who hears the word. But listen, the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. This is a fascinating one for us in the West. Where people, this is the thing, guys, we are never not vulnerable. That's a double negative, but whatever. It's like we're, you're always going to be vulnerable until the day you see him. Because it's, I've seen red hot Christians. I've, been, I've grown, my whole life has been in the church. I've seen red hot Christians simmer right down because of the worries of this world and the deceitfulness of wealth. Tragic. And this year, I'm, we're going there. We're like, we're, you know, we're, we're going to do a building project this year. You know, if anything's going to, you know, get us, it's like, because, and here's the thing with the building. If God want us to have a building, he could snap his fingers and would have it. Like, I've heard those stories. And I'm like, well, that'd be great, Lord, you know. I've, guys, oh, here's a supermarket, mate. You know, it's yours. It's like, okay. You know, he can do that. There are stories out there of God doing the snap his fingers. But God's way more interested in what he's going to form in us through this journey, as well as the blessing that something like a building can be. He wants to form us into his image, radically generous, radically like committed to him and loving his bride and investing into the things of eternity, the things that create real legacy. Oh, I'm on such a tangent. Lord, help me. Okay, so anyway, whatever. Uh, that's all good. So, so this is where, so how do we do that as a church? Uh, how do you play your part? Well, we've got Sundays, which are a small part, but an important part of our discipleship journey. I think it's really important to gather together. Thank you for making the effort, uh, particularly if it was a bit of a fight for you to get here this morning because you felt a bit dry or disconnected or wondered about church or got a bit cynical or whatever it may be. Good on you for turning up. I reckon there's some clarity happening in the room this morning, which is great. 
Sundays are important. But uh, for us, some of the, mo- this is again where I'd love to do some more work on how we do this. But our home churches are there. And so you'll see uh, uh, on the right there, these are the resources that either we've made or we've picked up from other people. Building a strong devotional life, Sabbath rest, deepening a devotional life, prayer, unanswered prayer. Uh, we've got an NT right thing there on, what is it? I think it's Ephesians, uh, the missional life course, blah, 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 blah. Um, but those, again, these, these uh, courses aren't there to give you information. They're there to help shape your lifestyle so that your, things, uh, your life increasingly becomes more orientated around being with him, becoming like him, doing what he did. Uh, and, so, and we've got the upper clip groups. Uh, boys are going to start on turn one. Again, this is an accountability group around our devotional lives. And so we've got Thursday morning for the boys, upper clip, Wednesday morning for the girls, upper clip, uh, at Milk and Honey. And what morning are you guys in Hastings? Thursday morning as well. So we can talk to you about that because the secret source to growing in Jesus is accountability. And this is a game changer. Uh, accountability is the key to growing because there's too much pressure. And you've got so many defaults when it comes to how your average day and week lives that the only way to get out of that rut is to be accountable to a new way of living. Absolutely convinced about this to be accountable to, to the change that you want to make in your life. Uh, and I've done research on this. This is why Jesus hung out with his disciples full-time for three years, major lifestyle change for these guys. It's to, so he could hold them accountable to a whole new way of living. And uh, the Institute for Training and Development in the States did some research on how people grow and change. And they discovered that if you have an idea, like this year, Bible in a year, 100%. We're going to do Bible in a year. Well, this year is when we're going to do it. If you have the idea that you're going to do it and do nothing else, there's about a 10% chance you'll actually do it. If you decide to put some actual wheels on it and decide that you will do it and where you will do it, that sort of goes up to about 40%. If you start planning and put it in your diary, it only gets to 50%. How's that? I thought it would be higher than that. So literally, you've gone to the point where you're in your diary, there's a reminder about whatever practice you want to put in place in your life, there's only about a 50% chance that you'll do it. If you tell someone, that starts going up to 65%. If you have a specific accountability appointment weekly with someone who asks you the question, how's it going? 95% according to the research. And I tell you what, all the boys and girls that have been in upper click who have for a number of years now weekly meeting to say, hold me accountable to my devotional life, know that that is true. Know that that is true. Why? Because we get going and we're enthusiastic and two months in, we suck again. And we need accountability. AA know this. How do you stay sober? Accountability. Weight watchers know this. How do you keep it off? Accountability. That's the only way that we detox from our lifestyle that's pretty much been formed and orientated by Western values and media to the way of Jesus is accountability. And so uh, we're going to, we're in the background working on some other tools here that we want to put in front of you guys as options. But I want to, I want to ask you to consider being accountable. And whether this is just organic, you just come along, you go along to someone and you say, we're going to get a messenger group here, we're going to ask each other, I don't know how you do it, but I'm telling you, if you want to grow, you need to be accountable. And um, I've said this before, I actually want this church to be a bit tricky for you if you're not that keen on growing. I'm, I'm like, I want it to be a little bit uncomfortable because I'm constantly talking like this. 
but I want people that want to grow and want to follow the way of Jesus to be a kid in a candy store in this sort of church where we hold each other accountable to follow in the way of Jesus. Now, why? Why do we do that? Here's why. Because in John 15, Jesus said that if we remain and abide in Him, we will bear much fruit. And if you trace through John 15 in particular, but John's Gospel, uh, the, the three major themes are that if you follow the way of Jesus, the fruit that you will produce is more love, more joy, and more peace in your life. As an experienced reality, you will know those three things. The first three fruit of the Holy Spirit, according to Paul in Galatians 5, are love, joy, and peace. And I can tell you hand on heart, after leaning into the way of Jesus for a number of years yet, and me and Ryan were geeking about this the other day, that is not a pipe dream. That is your destiny in Jesus if you're prepared to apply the way of Jesus to your life. You will experience more love, more joy, and more peace in your mind and your soul if you follow the way of Jesus. Even under pressure, Even when things are crazy, when you've got all sorts of stuff going on, Paul is a great example of this, all the pressure that he goes under. And isn't that the life deep down every person wants to live? A life filled with love, joy and peace. That's every advertisement's trying to sell you this thing because it'll give you more joy, it'll give you more peace, it'll give you, you'll feel loved or special. It's all a hoax that's found in Jesus. That's where you come alive. That's where resurrection life is found. That's the place that every human soul is longing to get to. And the reality is that you can be a Christian for many years, but you are not formed by the way of Jesus. And so in one level, you're stuck on Easter Saturday where you've been forgiven and you know you're loved and that sort of stuff, but you haven't walked into Easter Sunday, the new life that's found in Jesus when you follow the way of Jesus. So that's what I'm calling you to church afresh this year is that we'd follow the way of Jesus. Jesus says, go and make disciples of all nations. That's what we're called to do. The mark of, a, of maturity as a Christian is that you are making disciples. And so I want to ask the veterans in our church, those of you who have been around a long time and would consider yourselves mature Christians, who are you discipling? Who are you helping walk in the way of Jesus to be with Him, become like Him, do what He did? Who are you cheering on? And whether you've been around the block a hundred years or whether you're just starting out, Who's mentoring you? Who's like, I've got mentors. That's why I read all the books. I'm like, I can't hang out with you, but I can read your wisdom. I'm like, I want to be discipled. I've got people that ask me questions every week around how things are going. I'm like, this is, ah, guys, let's not make 2022 the same as 2021 or 2020. Let's get intentional. I'm going to lean into this a little bit more next week around how that can look uh, in terms of some practical things that you can do. It's gone very quiet. I hope everyone's all cool. It was very contemplative this morning. I hope uh, I'm not hitting you too hard. Okay, anyway, I thought that would go better. Let's go to the last point. Again, how can you play your part? Sorry, go back uh, one thing. So can I encourage you, uh, can you go back one, Joel? Um, can I encourage you to, to I'm going to lean into this a little bit next week, but I want to invite you to commit yourself to grow this year, to grow in the way of Jesus. It's so worth it. It's not easy. It's so worth it. So get amongst some of this stuff. Like we're, trying, we're doing our best to create a discipleship culture. And if you've got better ideas around how we can do that, I'm all ears. Absolutely. But I'm like, let's do this. Go for it, guys. We've got no other option in this time, this time in history. 
We either double down on Jesus or we call it. Seriously. You either double down on, Je- on the way of Jesus or you call it. And I'm telling you, you double down on the way of Jesus, you will begin. It won't happen overnight, but it will happen. It happens every Sunday, Sunday just about. As Rachel Hunter said, it won't happen overnight, but it will happen. You will begin to walk in greater love, joy, and peace, the various things your soul is craving for and trying to find in all the wrong places. Amen. Last thing for us, so we've got renewal or, or the presence of God, discipleship or formation. The last thing that we're passionate about is mission. And, uh, and this is this idea that we'd see people walk into wholeness. I'm going to unpack this more in a couple of weeks. But, but we have come into this place to serve it, to serve the city, to serve this region. We've come here to come under and lift it up. We're here to care for people, to minister God's love, to help people find healing and hope. And, to, find, and to, to walk into the maturity and the life skills, they need to lower their stress and break cycles of addiction and to walk, of course, into greater wholeness. So here's a few of the things that we've been chipping away at as we you know, did things last year with CAP courses and building awesome Farno courses and the food bank and the, Christian, and the Christmas blessing boxes. And we give about lots of food parcels throughout the year. Raising Hope is a big one for us that we're putting a lot of energy into, which is a ministry to serve young mums who are facing an unexpected or, or crisis pregnancy so that we can so surround them with love and support that they choose to keep their baby. That's our dream. Uh, and so we've got all sorts of stuff around that that's beautiful. Uh, and we're just a, we're not a big church, but I think we punch above our weight in lots of ways. And again, my, my invitation to you is like, there's so many things you can give your life to. But I'm like, let's, give our, let's pour our lives out for others. That's the way of Jesus. That's the way of Jesus. And again, we've been so formed in Western values that that is, is tricky for us. But every, every one of us are called to serve and to care for the poor and care for the hurting and care for the broken. Matthew 25 is explicit about that expectation from Jesus. Uh, and so I don't know what that looks like, but I tell you what, here's one thing. One day you will die. And someone's going to get up, probably a, a vicar or priest or a pastor like me, and we'll do the ceremony. And people will come up and they will share the story of your life. And it's interesting how the thought of that brings clarity about how we actually want to spend our lives. Because that boat doesn't matter in that moment. <laughs> or that extra house doesn't matter in that moment. You know what matters in that moment is how much you poured your life out for others. Because we don't get up. I've never been to a funeral, ever, where someone said, amazing how many houses or boats they had. Or like, man, they smashed that Tinder subscription. They got the most out of that. Man, they were really, they really got their bang for butt out of that whole thing, you know. Of course not. In those moments, even in our depraved secular culture, people look for goodness. People admire people that have lived a life well. And so I'm going to keep challenging us to pour our lives out for others. Ronald Rollheiser in his absolutely stunning book, Sacred Fire, again, which is a must-read, I think, in many ways, says there's three movements in our life. The first is to get our life together. Sort your stuff out, get mature, you know, learn how to do this, get your life together. The vast majority of our life following Jesus is learning what it looks like to give our life away. What does it look like to pour out our lives for others? That's not easy. That's, a, that's why Jesus said, pick up your cross and follow me. We die. There's a death. I would like to be doing some other things with my life on my bad days. Then I'm glad I've made this commitment on, my, on most days. <laughs> I want to I pour my life out to be a blessing for others. And then the last movement of our lives is giving our deaths away. 
that as we die, it will be of a blessing to others. Very deep. Let's pour our lives out for others. And so actually, um, all that we do um, is actually centred around this thing of mission. We pray missional prayers. Lord, we need your presence in this place. Lord, that the lost would get saved, people would come up. Lord, your presence, we need your presence in our lives. It's mission to make disciples. I don't want people that are broken turning up here and thinking like, if you've just prayed a prayer, you're sweet. It's like, no, you've got to learn a whole new lifestyle, bro. You know, and I'm doing that as well. And then it's mission. It's like, and then we live, we, we learn to pour our lives out. And this is even when it comes to the building. Next slide. We're going to uh, have a major focus. Oh, yeah. So oh, you go back to that. Uh, so again, this is that whole thing of like, where does mission start? It starts with the man in the mirror. <laughs> uh, man, it's like that's where mission starts. Is again, it's that whole thing of like, for us to be a more effective church missionally is just, again, that whole thing of like, I am following the way of Jesus to be with him, to become like him and to do what he did, to pour his life out for many. That will be a blessing. Like that's, that's how we become a more missional church. Uh, so here we go. Uh, so lastly, uh, we are going to talk a bit in term one about a building and we're going to take up an offering for that uh, in early April. And in our home churches, which we're going to have a meeting with some of our things, we're going to have that as a bit of a focus to pray and fast and all the rest of it. But here's the thing. The building isn't the vision. The, the building serves the vision. Now we, we've done a period of discernment as a church as we finish the year and we sense, yes, we're actually called to pursue this. Big act of faith. <laughs> you know, over summer at the back of my mind, I'm like, building. <laughs> then I'm like, God, it has to be you. Like, it has to be you. I'm just, I'm, and I'm committed this year not to lose my peace. I felt the Lord say that to me, particularly as we tackle this little chestnut, right? Um, but, here, but, but the whole thing of a building, it's about serving the vision of that God's given us. We want a place where His presence dwells. We want a place where you like you turn up in this like the fragrance. Of, we want a house of prayer. We want a place where we we gather to pray. That's what Jesus' heart was. So the vision is that we'd have a place where we can gather and we can pray. Uh, the, the second thing is that we want a place of formation and discipleship. We want a place where people can grow and people can learn the way of Jesus that leads to life. And lastly, it's a tool for mission. So we can do some things to bless the city. We're hemmed in at the moment around how we can do our midweek activities and the things that we want to do missionally. And so, uh, you know, at the end of the day, I'm like, oh, you know, this is against all the tool. And we believe that God's in it. And already, you know, we've had, we haven't even started trying to ask people for money yet, but we announced that we think, we actually announced, would you guys discern whether this is God or not? And by the end of that day, someone had rung me and said, I want to give a $500,000 interest-free loan. Another person rang me up and said, we want to give 50K as a pledge to this thing. And then by the end, we had people just giving to this thing before we even, it was just beautiful. <laughs> you know, it was just like, wow. So we believe God's in this. And we believe that God's going to do some miracles. And, uh, and I'm going to try and shepherd and lead us through this with such wisdom because my heart isn't that you feel pressured to give something. My heart is that you would grow in the way of Jesus. And you don't have to worry about, you know, we're not going to strong arm tactics. They're not going to do that. We're going to say, Lord, speak to every one of us about what our part to play is. And then we get to celebrate together when God does a miracle, which is what He's going to do. But this is something we're going to contend for. We're going to pray and fast. We're going to do all that sort of stuff this term. Okay, so that's, I'm going to talk a little bit more about that. But at the end of the day, all of this stuff, uh, you know, uh, renewal, and, uh, renewal and, and, and His presence and discipleship and all that sort of stuff, all of it is because we love Jesus. 
It's his presence we want. Like our visions, if you want one word for our vision, it's Jesus. It's the presence of Jesus. It's the way of Jesus, and it's the heart of Jesus. Right? It's the presence of Jesus in this, in this region, in our community, in your lives. It's the way of Jesus that leads to life. And it's the heart of Jesus to go into a broken and hurting world, bringing the kingdom of God, saying there is good news. You know that thing you're searching for, we know where you can find it. His name's Jesus. Like our vision here is just Jesus. I finished with this. We're going to take communion as we finish. Um, some of you guys remember a few years ago um, the Notre Dame fire in France. Uh, and just like, it was really crazy, the um, reaction to this in secular media, and, and France is an incredibly secular culture, but there was genuine grief for this beautiful house of worship that was burning down. And probably one of the most iconic photos that came out of it is this photo, which I think speaks to our cultural moment beautifully. <laughs> I'm like, you just were sitting in the ashes of just Western secularism and all of the division and false promises and emptiness and, and disillusionment and depression and blah, that our cultural moment seems to be in. And yet in the midst of it, you know, the church, which you'd think would just be like, that's Gomburgers in a secular. There's the cross radiant above the ashes. There's the cross radiant above the ashes. And that's what God, and like this is the thing that just the revelation, this is what God is like. As he comes into the ashes and into the brokenness. And he doesn't like conquer, he dies on behalf of all of that brokenness and pain and recycles all of that angst into forgiveness and love and mercy and grace. And all we have to do is eat the humble pie and come to the cross. And he just begins to set us free and begins to lead us into life.